everyone, this is 30 Day Trek. I'm your host, Buchanan, and in this episode, we are covering another all-time classic from Season 6 of Deep Space Nine, Waltz. This is the one where, as Sisko is aboard the Honshu, as it is delivering an imprisoned gold ducat to a special grand jury as a formality, the ship is attacked by the Cardassians, and Sisko is saved by Ducat and are stranded on an inhospitable planet. As the Defiant searches for Sisko and any other survivors of the Honshu before having to leave to make a rendezvous with a troop convoy near the Badlands, Sisko and Ducat take shelter in a cave, and as Ducat tends to Sisko's plasma burns and broken arm, he begins to hallucinate. Snake Damar, Kira, and Weyun as they argue with him over what to do with Sisko. What are you planning to do with him? The captain and I have a lot to talk about. Such as? It's of a personal nature. I see. You're going to share your feelings of loneliness and sorrow with your longtime adversary. Dr. Cox would be so proud. Go away. You should kill him now while you still can. That won't be necessary. He's in no condition to challenge me. I can afford to be patient. You should kill him. I don't care for your tone. Spare me your endless posturing. You're lucky I speak to you at all after that pathetic display back at the hospital. That's enough. Oh, I see. It's a sensitive topic. I wonder what Captain Sisko would think if he'd seen you curled up in a ball, crying yourself to sleep every night. Stop it! I doubt he'd still have the same respect for you if he'd heard you screaming and screaming and screaming like a madman till the nurses came and the doctors had to sedate you. <laughs> no! Waltz is one of three stone-cold classic episodes of the series from Season 6. This episode was not only the follow-up to the sustained arc of the first six episodes of the season, where Sisko and Starfleet took back Deep Space Nine from Ducat and the Dominion, but also the culmination of the relationship between Sisko and Gold Ducat. Ronald D. Moore, the writer of the episode, said that the intention was to dig down and reveal something in Ducat, both to the audience and to the character himself. He really did hate the Bajorans, and he really does wish he'd killed them all. That's the dirty little secret he's tried not to confront head-on all these years, and now finally, he said it out loud and accepted it about himself. As for the structure of the episode, while one could see it as a variation of the classic first season episode duet, with the added element of Damar, Kira, and Weiyun acting as parts of his psyche, it was actually the season 3 Dr. Bashir episode, Distant Voices, that was the initial inspiration. Quoting from Ronald D. Moore, Waltz began life as a story we called Ducat's Head Around the Office. The notion was for Sisko to go visit Ducat in the mental hospital, and while Sisko was trying to engage the catatonic Cardassian in conversation, we would push in on Ducat's face and then go inside his head and show us the fantasy life he was living. The story would have gone into the past, dealt with his Bajoran mistress, his rise to power, his treatment of the Bajorans, and even the fantasy life he was trying to conduct for himself on Terak Nor with Kira and his wife, and himself as beloved leader of Cardassia and Bajor. We struggled with the storyline for quite a while, but never found a way to make it compelling. Eventually, we noticed that the scenes we liked the best were the ones in the hospital room between Sisko and Ducat, and we decided to toss out everything but that. However, some of the character dynamics we had envisioned for the fantasy sequences eventually were realized in the phantom images of Weyun, Damar, and Kira as they appeared in Ducat's hallucinations. And by the time the production had gotten around to this episode, they were facing the same problem that Breaking Bad, The Sopranos, and so many other prestige cable dramas 
that have anti-heroes as their main characters faced, that their villain had become more popular with their fans than they ever intended. And while they were proud that they had created a multi-dimensional villain, they were shocked to see fans online defend his actions during the occupation of Bajor. So they had to do this episode as a referendum on Dukat and to say once and for all, this is an evil man who has committed genocide, and that what made him scarier was that he wasn't just a dispassionate conqueror. He was someone who genuinely thought that he was doing the right thing and craved the approval of the people he had conquered, particularly the women as seen with his obsession over Kira, as well as from Sisko, who he considered to be a friend of his. This culminates in one of the best scenes in the show's history, where Sisko finally gets Dukat to confess to his crimes. You really want to do this? Mm. Here. Now? Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. You were prefect of Bajor during the occupation, true or false? True. And you were responsible for everything that happened under your command, true or false? True. So that means that you are responsible for the murder of over five million Bajorans on your watch, true or false? False. I tried to save lives during my administration. Evidence. Evidence. He wants evidence. By the time I became prefect, the occupation had been going on for almost 40 years. But the plan still wasn't ready for full-scale colonization. Central Command wanted the situation resolved, and they didn't care how it was done. I was convinced that a gentler hand was required to deal with the Bajorans. It was a noble, if misguided, vision. So in my first official act as prefect, I ordered all labor camp commanders to reduce their output quotas by 50%. Then I reorganized the camps themselves. Child labor was abolished. Medical care was improved. Food rations were increased. At the end of one month of my administration, the death rate had dropped by 20%. Now, how did the Bajorans react to all this? On my one-month anniversary, they blew up an orbital dry dock, killing over 200 Cardassian soldiers and workers. We didn't want a reconciliation. We wanted to destroy you. So I had to order a response. But even then, it was a carefully tempered one. I ordered 200 suspected members of the resistance rounded up and executed. 200 lives for 200 lives. That's justice, not malevolence. Justice. The Dominion would have never been so generous. But did I give up my efforts to reach out to the Bajorans? No. I tried again. And what did I get for my troubles? An assassination attempt on my own station. Another round of executions followed. Once again, courtesy of the Bajoran resistance. We never wanted peace. We hated you. We hated all of you. On and on it went, year after blood-soaked year. Time and again, I would reach out with an open hand of friendship, and time and again, they would slap it away. The Bajorans understand a clenched fist, not an open hand. Being reasonable only made us bolder. The Dominion would have killed every man, woman, and child on Bajor long ago. I hope you're listening to all this. Oh, believe me, 
You have my undivided attention. Now, let me get this straight. You're not responsible for what happened during the occupation. The Bajorans are. Hmm? Yes. Yes. Exactly. So, why do you think they didn't appreciate this rare opportunity you were offering them? Oh, because they were blind, ignorant fools. If only they had cooperated with us, we could have turned their world into a paradise. From the moment we arrived on Bejor, it was clear that we were the superior race. But they couldn't accept that. They wanted to be treated as equals, when they most certainly were not. Militarily, technologically, culturally, we were almost a century ahead of them in every way. We did not choose to be the superior race. Fate handed us that role. And it would have been so much easier on everyone if the Bajorans had simply accepted their role. But no, day after day, they clustered in the temples and prayed for deliverance. And night after night, they planted bombs outside of our homes. Pride. Stubborn, unyielding pride. From the servant girl that cleaned my quarters, to the condemned man toiling in a labor camp, to the terrorist skulking through the hills of Dakoa province. They all wore their pride like some twisted badge of honor. And you hated them for it. Of course I hated them! I hated everything about them! Their superstitions, and their cries for sympathy, their treachery and their lies, their smug superiority and their stiff-necked obstinacy, their earrings, and their broken, wrinkled noses! You should have killed them all, hmm? Yes! Yes! That's right, isn't it? I knew it! I've always known it! I should have killed every last one of them. I should have turned their planet into a graveyard the likes of which the galaxy had never seen. I should have killed them all. And that is why you're not an And at the end of the episode, Dukat escapes, sends the signal to Starfleet on Ben's location, and tells Sisko that from this day forward, Bajor is dead. All of Bajor. And as Sisko recovers aboard the Defiant, he tells Jetzia that he will fear no evil. As for the rest of the episode, Waltz was the eighth episode directed by René Aubergenois, and he considered this to be his most favorite of all, mainly because it was all about the acting between Avery Brooks and Marco Limo. Indeed, between this and the later season six classic In the Pale Moonlight, I would love to see either of these episodes turned into a one-act stage play done at fringe festivals. I think it would be pretty easy to stage, and it would be great to see either Ducat's final monologue here or Cisco's 
I can live with it monologue performed live on stage and to see what the actor cast in the role would bring to it. Renee's challenge in directing the episode was in making it visually interesting since he didn't have big effects sequences or a hundred extras to deal with as he had in previous episodes he directed, which was the common challenge in doing these shuttle crash cave episodes, which Waltz is probably the best version of. And initially, Ducat's final line to Cisco was, you too will learn what it's like to lose a child, which was in relation to the death of Zial, illegitimate half-Cardassian, half-Bajoran daughter that was killed by Damar at the end of Sacrifice of Angels. But the production decided to change that line to the more general Bajor so that they weren't locked into one specific path for Benjamin and to always write every scene involving Jake be under a death threat. And after this episode, Ben and Ducat would not see each other again in the show until the series finale, What You Leave Behind. For being both an actor showcase for Brooks and Alimo, and the culmination of what I feel is Star Trek's greatest villain, Waltz is a stone-cold classic and one of Deep Space Nine's greatest episodes. Join me tomorrow when we journey back once again to the Delta Quadrant and our first of three Star Trek Voyager episodes that I feel deserves to get a lot more love and attention. Live long and prosper, and also live well. <laughs>